Welcome back to This Is Hardcore Podcast. You just heard Hold My Own, the track Life Sentence, featuring Tito, Surger Fury. This is coming off of the split 7-inch with Carried by Six, which was released on Richie Crutch's Never Ran, Never Will Records. The shit is shipping out now. Get it at NeverRanNeverWillRecords.com. Um, Hold My Own will be doing a series of release shows next weekend. Springfield, Chicago, and Detroit. In fact, um, I'll be a part of the Chicago show. Next Saturday, July 1st, Chicago at the Cobra Lounge. Shattered Realm, Hold My Own, Volcano, Out of Pocket, Fool's Game, Prevention, and User Unauthorized. Doors at 5 p.m. Greg Falcetto, huge part of This Is Hardcore. Longtime friend of myself. Huge supporter of Hardcore in the entire tri-state area. He manages to live in New Jersey and do shows, work in Los Angeles, play these fucking shows with Hold My Own all, all over the place. I have no fucking idea how he pulls it all off. But uh, with the celebration, finally, of the release of this recording, we're going to be out there in Chicagoland seeing old friends and having a good time. So if you can make it out, make it out. Uh, Philadelphia is going to be fucking wild this weekend. In fact, as I do this intro, there's a show at Bonks. We're reaching out and a bunch of bands. Alex Bradley holding it down. Tomorrow night, well, the basically tonight because it comes out on fucking Friday. Incendiary, Volcano, Simulacra, Scarab, and Underground Arts. I ain't saying it's completely sold out, but I'm saying by the time that I recorded this, there's not that many tickets left. So get your ass down front doors, front and center. You might be able to get in. I don't know. But yeah, Incendiary, new record, Volcano. Haven't come through Philly yet. Members of Sansugabog, but doing a more mashy, hard-style thing. Simulacra, hot off a European tour with no warning. Listen, if you're going to go tour with fucking Europe, that's awesome. But to fucking be support for no warning, dude, that's even crazier. Scarab, two Tylers, bunch of other... Uh, X, who's in Gridiron and Sim and whatever other band he can jump his ass into. That's like a fucking best of band. Scarab, Simulacra. That's the fucking Delaware guys. Can't wait. Um, That's on Undergrounds tomorrow. Or tonight, rather. Saturday, 4 p.m. at the church. Kev won Bulldoze Benefit. Said it every single time the last couple weeks. Kevin passed away. Not too soon after the announcement of the, their return. First to FYA, then the Keystone Jam. And with all the shows they had to play, this is finally going to be the benefit show to help put some money in Kev, Kevin's family's hands. Bulldoze, Shattered Realm. 20 years since Freight Train is playing. This is the restart. Not a reunion, this is the restart. You know... If you thought Freight Train was the baddest motherfucking band at the end of the 90s in Philadelphia, you're not ready for what they got. It's a completely upgraded lineup. Like another all-star fucking cast. Paul Butterly, uh, John Neem, Chris Marguerite, all Philly dudes. Um, Eric Walk stepping up, playing guitar for Freight Train. And... uh Obviously, Diego and Slave, who you may have heard on episode 100. Check it out. Um, one by One from North Carolina. Sick as fuck. 
shot out. We played the track on them. My young boy Kareem, some fucking hard Philly shit. Bayway might be rookie of the year in the hard style. Really ignorant, hard shit. Bayway from New Jersey. One life all in. And obviously, I said it before, All Shall Suffer is members. Most of the people from Denied, Punishment, and Shadowrun both played with Denied. Denied had uh, recordings out on Time Serve Records, which is Kevin's label. So, good to see old friends. Good to play with new friends. Come out, support the Benefit Show. While I'm in Hold My Own World in Chicago, that fucking Bob Wilson's up to no good again. He's got never-ending game, gridiron, laid to rest, strength for reason, division of mind, at the church, the same fucking day, July 2nd. So, whether you're in the Midwest or you're in the East Coast, you've got a wild fucking show to be at, July 2nd. Um, then, Envision, July 9th at Bonks, absolutely going to be fucking awesome, man. I have a little festival called This Is Hardcore. It's coming up. I don't even want to start getting in a panic mode, but we're four or five weeks away. Shit's going to be getting crazy. Very happy to see the return of Bane. Saw them Saturday night. Six or seven heads deep from the stage before you even had an opening to do your little floor punching, your little ninja spinning. There's that many people pressed up against trying to fight for a spot to climb up and stage dive and then be on top of a wall of bodies. Crazy to see them back after seven years. Happy to have them and be a part of This Is Hardcore. This Hardcore Friday, August 4th, is completely sold out. However, there are still two-day passes. Not that many, but we still got some two-day passes for Saturday and Sunday. Saturday, Gorilla Biscuits, Silent Majority, No Pressure, Death Threat, all the fucking bands. Sunday. Bane. That's right. Bane. Prayer for cleansing. A little band called Beyond Repair. It's the OG throwdown guys. Keith Barney. My boy Mark. They can't call themselves throwdown because a member Dave Peters would eventually go on to take the band after their Haymaker record and continue on with it but this is beyond repair this is the tracks on the indecision records era the shit that really made this band pop off back in 1999 i met them guys they were in omaha nebraska going out of their tour dysphoria was coming back from the u.s tour we linked up and we've been friends since crazy to think that that was 24 years ago and they're playing philadelphia uh vein fm all the way out from a little place called Australia. We got Speed. I mean, there's so many fucking bands on this bill. So excited. You know what's cool is I can see Bitter End again. I haven't seen Bitter End in years. This hardcore isn't just a festival. It is a turn, a time where everybody can get back together and see old friends. You might run into people that you haven't seen in 20 years. For me, big love and long time shout out to Fire. <laughs> I forgot my words all backwards. Much love and, lo- and a big shout out to Andy, diehard youth, now in a sick band called Ill Communication. Always had love for all them Oxnard, T, Taya Chappy bands. Obviously, 185 Miles South, one of the purest, best hardcore podcasts out there. 
always representing for the East Coast. In return, we represent for the West Coast. But it was cool to run into them. See, I saw my friend Kathy Cave. Great to see that her battle cancer. Uh, she's still on top of this, kicking some fucking ass. Great to run into Santa Time Records, dude. Um, so many good things come from just being in a room full of people that are like-minded and of our ilk. You know, a big hardcore show just reminds you that, yeah, like, you're still on your own. You're still out of step with society, but you're not completely alone. There's there's thousands of people there who who walk and talk and think sometimes a lot like you, sometimes maybe a little bit less. And that's what these festivals are really um, there for, I think. Me a meeting place, a way to congregate, you know, how we all converge. I can keep using all these old hardcore band names to express this. But I'm excited for this hardcore, not only because I'm putting it on, because I want to get it the fuck over with. Every day you do something, you wake up, and the next day you're thinking about, I still got to do this, I still got to do that. So that time's coming short. All right. Whether wherever the fuck you're at in July 2nd, go to a fucking hardcore show. Have a good time. Hope to see you guys all in incendiary and uh, support Kevin Bulldoze this Saturday. And the guest tonight is a friend, Ty Dawson. Um, Pennsylvania is a giant fucking state. We are the Keystone State, as Wisdom and Chains would declare it. And throughout the time that I can go as far back as the idea of going to Pittsburgh didn't come with like an excitement because you really didn't know what was out there. And for years, you know, we knew dudes who, you know, the guys from no retreat would actually move out there, et cetera. But until recently, within the last 10 years or so, maybe a little bit more than the last 10 years, but not too much more, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia never really linked up the way we are now. Ty Dawson, his band Pain Clinic, his mentorship and tutelage, along with AJ Rossell, Face Wreck, and Preserving Silence. You know, those guys were the OGs that helped pave the way for a little band called Code Orange Kids, which is now Code Orange, to go ahead, step up, and be what they are. And I think that that helped really bring along. Philly and, and Pittsburgh and kind of unify the rest of Pennsylvania in the last bunch of years. Ty Dawson Pain Clinic came out earlier this year, played <laughs> three sets, two sets over the hardcore over the hardcore weekend, hardcore pride weekend. It was fucking fantastic. I should shout out because Jamie's gonna bust my balls otherwise. Codes World, Code Orange, Madball, Vein, FM. 200 Stab Wounds, Pain of Truth, Gridiron, 1-800-Pain, Killborn, Wrist Meets Razor, Live It Down, Hazing Over, and Pain Clinic, September 30th, 3 p.m. There's two fucking stages at Preserving Underground, just announced this week. We're going to be at it. Hopefully you'll be at it. And um, yeah, let's get into talking to my buddy, Ty Dawson, of the almighty Pain Clinic. Let's fucking go. Today, we have a very special guest all the way across from the Keystone State. None other than the one and the only Mr. Ty Dawson. Ty, thank you for coming on the This Is Hardcore podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to talk today. I know. it's um, 
it's always cool to have people, you know, like you and I have broke bread and we've had a lot of good laughs together, but there's a lot of stuff I don't really know. So this is kind of fun because it gives me the opportunity to dig deep. And then also with the uh, opening of the pain clinic and the shit you guys have already started out here, it's good for people to get the entire Ty Dawson story. So where does uh, Ty Dawson come from? And uh, let's roll from there. Yeah, I'm from Pittsburgh, PA, but uh, I was born in uh, High Point, North Carolina. So I lived in uh, North Carolina for the first six or six years of my life. Uh, my dad worked for the airlines ever since he turned 18 and kind of worked through every shit job you could have in the airlines. It kind of just kept moving up and moving up. And eventually they uh, made him move to Pittsburgh whenever I was six. So I kind of moved up here then and I've been here ever since. What are your first memories of music in your life? Yeah. So uh, my parents honestly weren't like huge music people. Like I listen to podcasts with, with music guys in music and you kind of hear like their parents brought them up on the Beatles or like different things. Really not, not the story for me. My, my dad, if he's if I'm in the car, he's either listening to like the country radio or sports talk or something like that. Not not a big music guy. Uh, my mom, she uh, kind of similar, liked like country, just liked what was on the radio. Um, they were really into what's called beach music, which is uh, no one really knows about beach music outside of North Carolina or like the Carolinas in general. Um, it's kind of like the Beach Boys, but I would say it's like the hardcore of the Beach Boys where like it had their own specific scene that never really left the Carolina beaches. But it was like this like huge style of music and it was a huge scene of music, but it didn't really I mean, it was just in the beach, so it didn't really catch on anywhere. But she was obsessed with that. So she had the records of that. But growing up, like there wasn't a lot of music in the, in the house. I kind of had to find the music on my own. So like. I can remember when I was six years old, I was watching Headbangers Ball or like 120 minutes and watching MTV and stuff like that. And like, I would write stuff. I would watch, watch those shows and just, I'm like this now. I'm, I'm, I mean, I get obsessed with things. So, but um, I would just write the bands down and I would just have like notebooks and notebooks of just band names that I would like check out and check out. And I'm, this is like 1991, 1992 at the time. So I'm, I'm a child. I'm like six or seven years old. Um, like my parents were really not into like the metal stuff or the rock stuff. I honestly remember one time whenever I was six years old and I was in the mall with my mom and we were walking past like a, a record store of some sort. And there was uh, a poster of Metallica on the wall. And I was like, mom, you got to get me this poster of Metallica. I, I, I need this. And I, I blatantly remember her telling me, I tell this story all the time, but I remember her telling me, Tyler, you will never have a poster of long haired boys on your wall for the rest of your life. And uh, it's kind of funny how it ended up working out that I, I, I'm 37 years old and I have posters of long haired boys on my wall right now. But um, <laughs> uh yeah, so like I, I would get obsessed with these different styles of music, while, whether it was like 
Metallica turns into Pantera, turns into turns into this, turns into that, or rock music. Nirvana turns into Helmet, turns into this, and I'm like a young kid at the time. Um, so I would I got obsessed with just like finding out every single band. So I would be I became like an encyclopedia to like music like that. And then I got into I mean my whole also as a kid I was really into wrestling, still into wrestling now, but wrestling in like ECW really really took me down a deep dive because in in the in the ecw they would use real songs as their entrance theme so like in wwf or wcw they would just use like generic music like they would come out to that they would create themselves it's very generic um ecw they would just use ozzy they would use fear factory they would use life of agony they would use different things like that and through that, I would just make, I would, I would make mixtapes that would just, I would have, I had had literally like 10 tapes that were just filled to the brim with like 40 songs on each one of them of just like every song that someone would use. So let's say someone comes out to Pantera Walk. I'm going to go buy the CD or the tape at the time, put it on a tape and I would have that song. Someone comes out to uh fear factory i'd go go get that tape or cd go home put it on put it on a tape someone comes out to perry mason by ozzy that was literally like my favorite song of all time whenever i was a, i was a kid i would get to go get the album put it on a tape and there i have it um and that just that kind of just my obsessive personality and i from there i kind of got into like the punk and hardcore thing which just became a whole bigger thing did you ever travel out to ECW from Pittsburgh at that time or no? No, I traveled. I started, I, I, ECW died whenever I was still in high school. So that died whenever I was, I think I was 16 when ECW died. I started going to ECW arena and CZW in the CZW era. Like once I turned 18, I think I went out a couple times whenever I was 18. I mean, I, I would go out after, after I turned 18, I would go out all the time. I was going to like the ring of honor events and the CZW events, but I never, ECW always came here in Pittsburgh. They would come to uh, where I grew up, a place called Manaka, Pennsylvania. Uh, they would come to Pittsburgh. They would come to Johnstown. They would come to Ross Draver. So I would, I would hit all those events in high school. So I, I got my, my fair taste of it as, as a kid though. I, I grew up watching wrestling, but I had so much crazy heavy metal like just thrown at me as a kid. But I can tell you that I had walls of long hair dudes and chicks all over my uh, bedroom for years at a time before I found hardcore Absolutely. punk. Absolutely. I'm now, looking at about 10 long hairs on my wall right now. <laughs> um, to get back to it, when you hit high school, did anything change for you, like music-wise or no? Yeah, high school is when I kind of got into everything. So I was a freshman in high school starting in 1999, and I, I like, completely remember, like, whenever I got into high school, my freshman year, I started in 1999. Once the year 2000 hit, I remember once 2000 hit, I was straight punk and hardcore stuff from there on out, like, I gave up on all the metal stuff that I had liked. I, I had found out about like the older kids in my high school playing like local shows and like in local bands. And uh, 
everything kind of changed after I saw that. So from there, I'm 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 strictly uh, punk, emo, hardcore, hardcore. I didn't really. I mean, whenever I was a freshman in high school, I really hardcore is kind of like the last thing I took a liking to. Um, funny thing is, like my friends in high school that have literally zero to do with hardcore now, and had honestly zero to do with hardcore, like a year after that they started listening to it they kind of liked hardcore first i was kind of more into just like the punk stuff the the typical like emo stuff uh like my favorite bands whenever i was in, it, first getting into this stuff were like your classic punk stuff like i don't know like rancid against all authority stuff like that and i truly loved anal cunt for some reason anal cunt was like my favorite band ever whenever i was a kid well i mean um, just a name <laughs> alone is so um um, I don't even know the, the correct term, but just like I remember seeing that on a patch mm-hmm. on South Street and feeling like a fucking poser, even though I definitely was like a <laughs> metal poser. Like, fuck, I'm not even into shit that deep. Like, that was crazy. Like, to me, when I saw it the first time and then when I realized it was an asshole and a vagina, I was like, <laughs> fuck, man, I am fucking behind. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I, I was really, I mean, I was going to shows like, three times a week because i mean pittsburgh was a pretty hot spot at the time for for just like punk shows and hardcore stuff in general at the time what were the places you were hitting at that time uh the big club at the time was called club laga yeah yeah and, yeah okay cool yeah they had they i mean they had tons of stuff like all all different of the styles of music that you would want to see as a kid when i was a kid i mean they had like every big show was there um there were a couple other like small venues I mean, the Roboto project was around then. I really didn't hit that until like later on in high school. There was a place called the Millvale Industrial Theater that was like literally just a shack on the side of the road that used to have. I mean, there were a couple smokestacks and there was just this shack in between the smokestacks. And uh, there were shows there. I actually saw Anal Cunt there whenever I was 15. Um, So I was going to only like kind of like the bigger punk shows and we found out Anal Cunt was coming. So I went to the Anal Cunt show at the Millville industrial theater. And, uh, it was, uh, to me, it was like the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life at the time. Cause I was like a kid from the suburbs and literally I saw like someone's like smoking crack in the pit. And I'm like, just a little boy, like, Holy fuck. What, what am I even experiencing right then? But I also thought it was like the greatest thing I ever seen. Um, a band called nun slaughter opened, which is kind of like a classic. I just saw they're playing with the ringworm in a couple of weeks, but uh, Nun Slaughter played, who was this death metal band, and uh, they had a giant upside down cross like uh, banner behind them. But whenever they started playing, the banner just fell off of the wall, and they were just completely covered in their upside down cross banner when they played. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean that that was that's like one of the most memorable shows when I was a little kid, like first starting to get into it. When you were first being immersed into it. Did you have the ability to peel back and discern the difference between hardcore and punk? Or were you not even aware at that time there was differences? Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, I, I think I had like a big realization moment as far as that goes. Like whenever, so I'm, like I said, I'm going to everything. Like I'm going to a newfound glory show. I'm going to, uh, taking back Sunday show. I'm going to all, all like a ranted show. Um, but I think that I, and eventually I got really into hardcore. Um, 
like my first favorite hardcore band was reach the sky because they would open up a lot of these tours there'd be like a ska tour like catch 22 would play and reach the sky would open so that was like the first hardcore band where i was like yeah this is this is my shit this is this is the real shit um so i got really deep into them um and from then i mean i started going to a lot of like like local hardcore shows little little things like that and um and I, I think the moment where I truly like realized that okay, hardcore is way different. Hardcore is is who I am. Hardcore is what what I want to be. Um, is Lois of the Low came out, and I mean that was that that's still like it for me. That's 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 my my shit forever. But um, Vogel had a zine called Born to Expire. Yep. Um, and in the zine, so. Tara's playing at Club Log, actually. It's this fest called Rise Up Fest. It only happened one time. But in 2002, this was everything. They had every single band of every single hardcore. You have Full Blown Chaos, Ringworm, Terror, uh, Sworn Enemy. They're playing. You have all the metalcore, like Unearth, Norma Jean, all, all like the, the it bands at the time played this festival. It only happened one time. I don't even really understand how it happened, but it did happen. But um, at this fest, Vogel at the Terror merch table was selling this Born to Expire zine. So, I mean, I really liked Terror at the time. And I'm like, all right, so I'm just going to go to Terror's table and buy every single thing they have. But I get the zine. And when I go home and start reading the zine, the zine is literally still like on top of my toilet right now. But um, in the zine, like to me, when I started reading, I was like, holy shit, this is like my Bible. Like there were interviews of like Reach the Sky and Ringworm and like different band Desperate Measures. There's interviews in there of them, but like there would be at the beginning of the zine, there'd be a two two page just Vogel diatribe from the top of the page to the bottom, from the top of the page to the bottom. And in that, he just kind of like spells out what hardcore is. He it, it's kind of like a rule book almost, basically just like. I don't understand why people in bands don't go to shows. Just breaking down every single little thing about hardcore. And I'm like, man, I kind of just like agree with all of these things he's saying. Like it, this, this just makes complete sense to me. Every single word that he was saying. And then in the middle of the zine, he do the same thing. And then at the end of the zine, there's just, there's a page just full of like lyrics that he thinks are applicable to hardcore. And like, that means something to him. And I'm like, wow this uh, like this actually means something this is actually more than just like some dumb kids like dressed up as something this is more than just like dumb drunk punk rock stuff or like just songs about girls this is it's something different and literally i mean to this day i mean i could look at that and just say hey i agree with every almost every single thing in here and i i kind of like live by these words to this day so uh that's the, the that's the moment that i think kind of like changed me as a person, I was like, I'm hard. I'm a lifer after this. Yeah. It's hard to come back from something like that because it's so polarizing, you know, like, you don't, you feel like you had to take a path at that point. Um, I remember at that time, Pittsburgh felt 500 million miles away from Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And we played there sparingly, despite the fact that we had been invited to Erie more often, Pittsburgh always seemed like they were not on the same trajectory 
as the part of the East Coast that like Philadelphia was connected to. And it took some years before I really started seeing more Pittsburgh people around. So in this modern era where, you know, the fucking Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Keystone fucking bridge is fucking solid. It's awesome to hear, you know, your perspective when terror was coming through and all this stuff, because it's not anything different than what was happening on our side at the same time. Absolutely. And, and like you were saying, Erie, I actually went to college in Erie once I graduated high school and like living in Erie, it's like completely, completely different than living here. I mean, it's like basically completely dead hardcore wise now, but I mean, I'm going college there in like 2004 till 2008 or so. And I mean, you get, you live, I live there. And I mean, I would travel there for shows before I, I lived there, but I mean, they're getting every big hardcore tour. It seems like every, every hardcore routing that you see was going through Erie and it was skipping out on Pittsburgh. And, and I think there is something to that. I think Pittsburgh, especially in like the 2000 to 2010 era did have like a, an attitude about them where like what was popping everywhere else, like Pittsburgh was too cool for. And I, I really hated that at the time. And I, I think that plays a lot into like, dude, if you're, if you're going to like bury all these bands that are, that are popping, why would they even come through here? Like if they're going to come through here and have a shitty show, like we're never, we're never going to get good shows. Every show is always going to suck. You're never going to get new kids new kids are going to find out about a band and be like, Oh, this band, like this band's kind of popping. I'm going to go to go to the show for the first time, see how it is. And you go there and there's like 20 people there just standing with their arms crossed. It's not even like a cool thing. Um, Especially like when I was young, I mean, a certain, like the, the fast style of hardcore really never took off here. Then. I mean, now I think it's, 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 I mean, it's very over here now, but in the 2002 to 2010, it really was not popping here as far as fast hardcore or like just really any like the the bands like in that in that uh, kind of genre, like the the I, I know you hate the term beat down, but beat down was very over here. Your sworn enemies were very over here. Your full blown chaos. I mean, full blown chaos was like the house band in Pittsburgh for a while. I mean, like that's the kind of style that would hit here. And if anything else came, it was kind of just a shot show. It just really wasn't good. So these bands, I think, intentionally would go to Erie just because you're going to play at Forward Hall and they're going to put together a good show. And then, like, people would come no matter what the show was there. In Pittsburgh, it really wasn't the case. Well, it's like a surreal thought when you look at, like, just we went to Boston this week and it was 320 miles. And that's roughly almost just overshooting fucking Pittsburgh to Philadelphia. Yeah, And there's just so much in between Philadelphia to Boston hardcore scene wise and so little across 76. I mean, there was some stuff in Har- uh, Harrisburg, some stuff in York, Altoona, you know, sparingly. So I can see somewhat of it, but even like uh, Shadow Realm Punishment, I think we played we played more in Altoona than we ever did in Pittsburgh. And I always when you run across Pittsburgh people there, it was like, well, you know, you guys don't fuck with Pittsburgh. It's like, well, guys don't invite us out the shows. And, you know, we it's hard to bring a band 300 miles and expect people to check them out. It was always such a bizarre cross-state thing. And all that's kind of gone now, which is fucking fantastic. Um, but getting back into your your uh, specific immersion in hardcore and all that, 
one of the other bizarre things that is an anomaly today with I think you could probably speak on better because we're talking about this era. The amount of kids because of your fucking little brother, Jamie uh, Morgan, who are obsessed with bands like Built Upon Frustration and stuff, not really realizing just how few shows those bands really ever played outside the area is fucking mind blowing. Yeah, it's it's honestly just a complete, completely strange to me. Uh, the, the obsession with that and, and Jamie, I would say is, is the main, main person that, that, that has gotten that into people's heads that these bands are great. And I think Greenfield, Mike and enemy mine had a lot to do with that. And I think AJ has a lot to do with that. And I, I hope we have a lot to do with that now, but, um, it is, it's a, it's a crazy thing to think like and built upon frustration did not play a lot a very much, especially outside of here uh they played in erie uh, they, they played they played wheeling virginia with dysphoria yeah they would play wheeling at, it, at yesterday's there i mean wheeling i honestly kind of consider pittsburgh in a way altoona i kind of consider pittsburgh in a way i'm but, glad um, you think about that with wheeling because wheeling was actually a cool spot that all of us hit between dysphoria punishment shattered realm and it had a cool vibe because you know you're you're playing west virginia so you know there's always the you know, the tropes about like the people from the area, but the kids went off hard and they always bought merch. Yeah. Wheeling. I mean, I, on, like I just said, I kind of consider it Pittsburgh. It's only an hour away. Most of the shows that um, I'm, I was going to were an hour away, regardless whether you're playing like in the middle of nowhere outside of Pittsburgh or where um, I kind of consider that uh, Pittsburgh. I mean, our pain clinic played their first, our first show in Wheeling. And I mean, I knew pretty much there was 150 people there and I knew pretty much three fourths of the people there. So, um, especially, especially now, I mean, I, I think that it's all kind of the same. Um, they do have their, 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 their own little scene there, but I mean, I don't, not much is going on there now, but, um, kind of going back, like built upon frustration, built upon frustration will play there a lot. Um, like bands like CDC would play there a lot, but but going back to Built Upon, it's 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 strange that people are are loving it now. I I, I love it, but they they played so little and and there are videos on. There's really one video on the internet that's like crazy that everybody kind of goes to and like oh this is the craziest band of all time. But I mean when they would play here, I mean it's not like it was jam packed, sold out like 300 people. It was like your typical like a hundred person show it, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like this this crazy everybody had nobody's getting into the show because there's so many people here it was it was kind of just a normal show so in this time period were you doing anything up in clearfield would you ever hit any of them uh what was the name of that club in um state college were you going out there there was the lions then there for a little bit Fuck yeah that was a, that was one yeah. of them and they're what was the name of the other one that was like right on the campus? It was called like the blank. Fuck. I can't think right now, but but yeah, I mean, Richie I would Crush would know it immediately. Yeah, he definitely would. Um, I I was I was going out to Clearfield pretty much anytime something would happen, like twenty five to life or or death before dishonor or whatever. If something's going, if something's there, I'm probably going to go at the time. And Altoona the same. Like Altoona, I can like just like Wheeling or, or Morgantown or whatever. I would consider Altoona. I mean, I know all these guys. It's basically Pittsburgh to me. I consider those guys Pittsburgh hardcore kids. No, nah, there's always 
like um an era, an era and a time in PA hardcore that doesn't get really the same kind of love because the bands didn't grow to the point where people check them out. So it's cool to see code come in and shine some light on bands like that and kind of bring those bands more into the light. It's surreal to see the popularity like immediately kids are like this is one of the greatest bands in the history of hardcore. Like, well, let's hold on, hold on a second. Like they're good. Let's, you know, it's a surreal thing. But yeah, I definitely it's, it's think extremely regional, extremely regional. Well, but most yeah. most of the Pittsburgh bands kind of are because until Code and Eternal Sleep, really, no, no one really took took the took the the stride to get out there and play elsewhere. You know, well, when you were talking about punk earlier, it's on the tip of my tongue. But there's a really big punk band from Pittsburgh, right? Am I fucking losing my mind here? I mean, Os Rotten is from here. I mean, that's anti flag, anti flag, anti flags. The like, band, that's yes. the band I was thinking of. I knew Os Rotten was on there, but um. And isn't one of the guys from Los Rotten and Judd Judd? Or maybe, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, Judge? I, Judd Judd is that band where they did like the Beavis and Butthead. Judd Judd, Judd Judd. <laughs> and they did like the verbal thing. I thought one of the dudes from Los Rotten was in that. But um, getting back to Andy Flag, was it interesting to see the, the city kind of split between like pure, you know, super patched up, dirty punkers, and then just like, hard asshole moshing hardcore kids yeah and, and honestly the, the they were mixed up at points because anti-flag would tour with like blood for blood and that would that would come to like a big club here and it would be the punks versus the hardcore and anti-flag i mean kind of after a while they just became like they they were on the radio here they just kind of became like your typical like radio rock band after a while um, most people, I mean, they are very, very involved in the Pittsburgh scene. Like they, they did take a lot of their money and put it into things like uh, DIY spaces, like Roboto and stuff like that. So they always have had like a, um, they, they, they never took Pittsburgh for granted. They always put, put, gave back to uh, Pittsburgh for sure. Well, that's what I was going to say. It seems like in the smaller towns in Pennsylvania, and and it's not just for central, but even like South Central and Southeast, a lot of the hardcore scenes were really in DIY spaces or in church halls. So you, you kind of had to tread lightly and hope that the venue would make it through a show to get to another show. Yeah. Yeah. Roboto, I mean, we did have Roboto here for, I mean, it still exists in, in a completely different format, but um like like in, in in Philly, I know that you, a problem you guys have is like you have a venue, and then like one day they just decide that you can't you can't do shows there anymore. And we always had the Roboto here, where um, it was a constant in the scene. So like no matter what, that was always around. There wasn't we people weren't like desperate to find a place to do a show because it always existed here uh, in the Roboto. Do you think of anything in the time frame, like in the, the earlier part when we were talking about the shows in Erie and over, you ever try to travel to stuff like Crazy Fest or Hellfest or anything like that, or did you not do any kind of longer travels or bigger fests at that time? Yeah, I did a lot of travel. I I uh, went to, I was at Hellfest in Syracuse. Um, I mean, I was going to Erie all the time. Um, I went to Philly a handful of times uh, whenever I was super young. Uh, Hellfest was kind of the big one that I went to for sure. We were going to Cleveland all the time for like 
shows like that and uh summer of hates and there was a Derek Hess stress fest at one point and we were kind of going out crazy fest was a little too that was Alabama correct no uh crazy fest was um Louisiana um furnace was a uh, crazy yeah furnace, furnace was, was- was the Alabama one? That was only like yeah, two that, years that, at the time. That that was a little too too far at the time for for me, but I kind of kept it in the in the Northeast, really. Yeah, I feel like that time in hardcore. Another part of it is there were so many bands touring. You really don't need to, you really don't need to travel as much, because especially at that time, we talk about Terror and all these bands touring. It, it was like congested, like the traffic amount of tours coming through. Yeah, I mean, it was just it was a really different time as well. Like, so I mean, MySpace was around for for kind of half of this, but I mean, you weren't really weren't there wasn't like a okay, everybody's got to go to this fest this weekend. We're travel, we're getting plane tickets and traveling across the world, or traveling across the U.S. to get to this show. It really wasn't like that at the time, and especially for me at, at the time, I was like diehard into a certain style of hardcore where um, the bands I wanted to see were kind of coming, like the the blood and blood outs, the sworn enemies and stuff like that. That's really coming to me where I death before dishonor that, that was always coming through. And that's something that's not really hitting like the, the, the Southeast fest really. Was there anything that was going on at that time that you think that kind of got overlooked from your area? Um, Honestly, as far as lo- local wise, I, I think that, the, the bands that are getting hyped now, I mean, I felt that at the time I didn't feel like they were overlooked, like a built upon frustration. I did not feel like they were like an overlooked band. I just thought that they were this amazing band that I always got to see. And it didn't seem like I know those guys now. It didn't seem like they were really they had any desire to be like this huge band that played everywhere. So it kind of, it what they were doing then just kind of like makes made sense. Um there were bands like Drain This Blood was a band. They got out a little bit, but um, I still think, think that they're a great band and, and um, they really don't get talked about now, but they were a great band that really uh, doesn't get any, any, they don't really, not much is talked about them now, but, but no, nothing, nothing really, I think from here was really worth uh, being on a national level. We so, might have been we might have been overlooked as a town to come play, but I don't think that we we really had the 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 bands to to make our town like this big Pittsburgh hardcore town like I think it has now. I think it truly doesn't have it now. No, there's no there's no doubt that Pittsburgh really came up in the last ten years. Yeah, like really fucking put a, a like a firm place. Not only for the bands, but for the people traveling, and it's awesome to see that. When you think of college, what was was you trying to actually achieve, like a degree, or were you wiling out, or like what was your college life like, and what was the goals of going to college? Um, there could be I could say like a many I could say many things here. I mean, I was definitely wilding out at the time. I am a, I was wilding out pretty much. I've been wilding out my whole life, but I was wild now, but I was more, more focused on traveling every weekend to go to a hardcore show or going, going to, like I was saying, like a ring of honor wrestling show. I was, I was traveling every weekend. Like 
I would get my partying done in the week, and on the weekends, I would go to Buffalo to a hardcore show, or I would go to Cleveland to a hardcore show, or Youngstown to a hardcore show, or drive back home for a hardcore show. I was more focused on hardcore than I was uh, being in college. I mean, I kind of was just in college, just kind of just, just that was kind of my next step. My parents wanted me to do that, and I was just kind of following along. And, you know, and I don't regret that at all. I mean, I, I needed to do that. Um, but I was definitely more focused on, on hardcore at the time. Well, let me, let me ask you this. When you think about it, I need to touch on Buffalo. I do think that it gets overlooked from people from like our area, just that crazy loop that by saying Buffalo triggered this thought you have Syracuse, Buffalo, Erie, Cleveland. Um, obviously you have some of the lower Ohio stuff. There's a crazy amount of just like a track. And Carl Earth Crisis had said it on this podcast, and so did Mike Ryan. There was a shit ton of smaller hardcore scenes all in that area as well to hit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's like in between, like going from Pittsburgh to Erie, there were little hardcore towns. There's like a Butler, there's Meadville, there's Titusville, there's all these little towns that I mean, they would do a show and, and, and I think you, they, they did definitely have their scene, but everyone from Pittsburgh would go to a show in Titusville or Meadville or Butler and that you would have their own little people and there would be like little dust ups and little scraps or like Punxsutawney was a big one, especially during that 2000 to 2010 era. Punxsutawney got more shows than honestly any of these, any of these bigger towns. Where um, it was just a little community community center. It was just like a little VFW hall that, I mean, literally like Marauder and E-Town Concrete played in this like little community center in front of just like a hundred people. I mean, they would get a, a ton of, ton of tours. Damn, dude. First the Groundhog and now they got the fucking ill shows. What the fuck? Exactly. Exactly. Punxsutawney had a very good hardcore scene, I would say. I, I had no idea. This is yeah. I and I and I try to pride myself on understanding Pennsylvania hardcore because I see a lot of flyers. I remember bands hitting through touring. I, I it behooves me to say this, but I can't even fucking fathom a show in Poxitani. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Um, it's 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 strange because like like I said, I consider like all these little towns just Pittsburgh. It's just Pittsburgh hardcore. Like if Punxsutawney was having, if there was a show on Punxsutawney, you most likely it was going to be good. Punxsutawney isn't like it's two hours away from Pittsburgh, so it's not like it's anywhere close. I mean, if there's a show in Punxsutawney at the time in my head, I'm going to that show no matter what. It's like it's a fuck, it's a fucking Pittsburgh hardcore show. It's just in it's just in Punxsutawney, so I'm going. And they had a great scene. I mean, every show was was great. I mean, so many bands came through there, dude. That's so fucking cool. I love to hear when small towns are able to do some fucking awesome shit, especially yeah. because Pennsylvania is so fucking goddamn big and there's so many small towns. That's cool. Yeah. Now, was there, you obviously, I'm not jumping forward into what we're talking about with pain clinic, but at yeah. any time, anytime between what we're talking about now and pain clinic, were you ever in a band? I never did a band ever. I, I right. had a, I, I just had wanted a to band make sure. I had a band when I was in high school that 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 had a, a couple of practices and we covered America the the anal cunt cover of American Woman and that's about all we did. Uh, <laughs> so and and cool that, that that's about it. 
And if I if I said the band name, I'd probably get canceled. So I'm not going to say that either. Yeah, let's uh, we'll, we'll save you from the cancellation. We, yes, you still got some work to do. Yes. Um. So when you think about this time, it's a lot of highlights, man. It's a lot of yeah. really positive shit. That's fucking awesome. I love I love hearing that. Um. So where does this story eventually link you up with the young code folks? Um. So I mean those kids would kind of start coming around and just like, like anybody else, like they're just these, I mean, they came around when they were very, very young. They were 14, 15 years old. And at the time I'm probably 22, 23. Um, and they were young kids. Um, they would come to the shows. They would, they would get in the pit. I mean, they, they weren't dressed like your typical hardcore kid. They were dressed like their typical freak selves. They were wearing patches Jamie would be wearing a black, my heart shirt and wearing like patches on his shorts. And I was like, what, who is this little, little freak kid? But, um, eventually uh, there was just some time. And I, I think Jamie just got the guts to come up and talk to me. And he was just like, he just asked me something about wrestling. And I was like, what the fuck does this kid, what's he talking to me about wrestling for? Um, and I talked to him and, and ever since that, I mean, that, that's, that's my boy. That's my best friend. But um, and from there, they kept coming. And and I mean, you know this better than anybody. You're a lot of young kids come through, and a lot of kids are moshing hard. And then guess what? The next day, you never see them ever again. Okay, and right. that happens a lot here. And they never went anywhere. They stayed. They were, they were, they were freaks at the time. Goldman wouldn't say a word to anybody who's wearing like a bowler shirt in khaki pants at the show and wouldn't say a word to anybody, but he, he would still get out there. And I just kind of took a liking to them. And um, eventually I, this kind of like goes along with how like the Pittsburgh Philly connection kind of started, but um, agitator I saw on MySpace was like looking for a show to do a tour. And I was like, yeah, you guys can just play at my house. And Code Orange had been playing all these, I mean, you could call them hardcore shows, but they're more like crusty punk shows. And they, they kind of what they played at all times then. Um, and I was like, yeah, Agitator will play Code Orange. I know you guys now, you guys just want to play. And we had this show in my basement and I kind of consider that like the first real hardcore show that Code Orange played. And it was like the first time that the Philly band Agitator came here and like the connection that, hasn't stopped since so that's fucking awesome what year was that i think that was 2011 maybe 2010 or 2011 fuck yeah high point for agitator yeah 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 i think they i think they did the tour agitator did that tour and then they played their first this is hardcore like two weeks later i think was the case dude i i love all them jerk offs who are now grown men married Except for Marty. Marty just climbs the tallest fucking mountains on earth. Fucking jerk Yeah, and off. gets gets hurt all the time. Can't just be fucking normal. He's got to go out there and climb shit all the time. He can do it, and I can't, so I'll, I'll give him that one. Yeah, I, I I have to say that the connection came quick. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a super funny question. I, I shouldn't say it this way, but it just made me laugh to say it. When you first met, when you first met Jamie, did he roll up to you all like Jack the Pumpkin King style? 
super lanky or was he like a little kid when you met him? He was a little kid, but he was, he was super lanky. He was very lanky. He was about a hundred pounds less than he is now. And, and 14 years old with like zits all over his face. So he, he was very much so Jack the Pumpkin King. <laughs> I fucking love it. I mean, and, and for that age, I was literally the, the same thing. Bad hair, <laughs> tall, zits, the whole nine yards. So I'm only talking <laughs> shit just because he's going to listen going, hey, why are you saying that? <laughs> um, Where were you at in the in the whole creation of the that band? Like when AJ's driving them all over, did you, what were your first thoughts? And then did you see the evolution towards where they started really becoming something? I knew they were something like, like, I remember like the show that I'm telling you about on the flyer, I put like agitator straight edge, crazy guys from, from Philly. And then I remember I put, cause I'd seen, I'd seen them play many times. So I put code orange kids, crazy vampire shit. Because to me, if you if you weren't like tough guy hardcore, you were vampire shit. So what's well, crazy? Crazy are vampires now. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're they're a different kind of vampire now. But um, I like their shows here were unbelievable. That it, it was it, they drew a different, a definitely different type of kid at the time. But they ruled that that crusty hardcore punk scene. They ruled that scene. You would go to a show and. There, I mean, it's jam packed, sweaty, million kids in there. Just some are doing karate, some are just like swinging around. But it's it's an actual crazy show, and it's little young kids just killing each other. And I mean, dude, from the the first time I saw them, I knew that they were they were something special. And I mean, in each generation that you see of the band from there on out, I mean. It it's inevitable what they would be what they were going to become, and like every, like every move that they make and everything that they do, nothing they do surprises me as far as how how big they have become. It's no one else is like them. You can copy off them, but you you you're never gonna do it like they do it. Hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. I feel like the hardest thing to do is step out of line and be your own person in hardcore because then someone's like. Hey, why aren't you like us? And then when they see it and go, oh, that looks really cool, then they do it and they forget the part where they were looking at you like, why the fuck is he doing it that way? Yeah, you 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 can't just try to be different. You have to be different to be different. You you do if you try to be different, you can you're gonna get caught right away. So where where do you uh uh probably way earlier in the story, but when when can you recall first meeting AJ? Uh, I met AJ like very early in all of this. So yeah, he ran a he ran a venue in Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, he ran a venue outside of Pittsburgh called Planet of the Apes, which was so I mean cool. he was he's literally my age. I mean we're we're like a month apart in in birthdays, but um he I think I was probably a junior in high school at the time, so I think he was as well. Um. He rented out this random garage in this little town called um, Tarentum. And it was like in the back of a Chinese restaurant. And he somehow maneuvered the Chinese restaurant's electricity into this little garage. And he, we would do, sh- there, there would be shows there. Um, 
and I'm talking big band, like big bands, like Under Oath and like My Chemical Romance would play this garage. Like these are like big touring acts would come through and play this garage. But uh, I went to I'm, a decent amount of shows there and just kind of like I remember for a fact, the first the first thing I ever said to AJ, because I knew that he he was a hardcore kid and I knew he ran the venue. And I remember the first thing I went up to AJ and was like, dude, when are you going to book Come and Correct? And I mean, at the time, Come and Correct wasn't even like playing shows. And he's like, I don't know, man, uh, maybe one day. And I was like, all right, cool. And uh, eventually I was like, dude, I want to start doing shows at, at this place. And he's like, OK, I mean, just give me 50 bucks and we'll, we'll figure it out. So uh, I just started sending out emails to all these different bands and different record labels. And uh, the first person to email me back is, I mean, I had no idea who this was at the time, but it was from Stillborn Records. Okay. And the, e the email was Jamie at Stillborn Records. Yep. And at the time, I'm, I'm a retarded little kid. I did not put it together that the singer of Hatebreed was emailing me back. And he was just like, yeah, I have this, this uh, tour package coming through. I don't even know what a tour package is at the time. He's, there's a tour package coming through. Uh, if you have 300 bucks, you can do full blown chaos, dead wrong. And at the time, there was a band to take over. And yep. They're not, not really thought about anymore, but that was the tour. And I was like, uh, in my head, I'm like, I don't have 300 bucks. I probably have like 100 bucks, but I think that we can make this work. So I was like, yeah, let's do the show. Um, so I was like, AJ, can we do this show here? um it's full-blown chaos dead wrong he's like of course of course so we do the show and uh it ended up being a fucking awesome show it was i mean I'm, i didn't lose money i got to tell jamie that i i paid the bands more than he asked for i always good and then i later i'm like dude do you know who 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 am i talking to jamie at stillborn records and aj's like yeah that's jamie josta from hate <laughs> yeah <laughs> I had at the a, time which was, was just like crazy to me dude it, it's it's surreal but that's the reality of some of the guys who are really deep into the shit and that's as Haybreed is taking off in a tremendous way he was still trying to uplift and bring all these bands with him which speaks a lot about his credibility you know yeah this is 2000 like this is march of 2000 one at the time so like they're like a huge touring band i mean they're it's not like he's just some guy sitting at home on, on his computer he, they were like a huge on the road at all times band <laughs> so it's crazy to think that he was like putting together these small shows for these really small bands like i mean it's, it's it was it was it's really wild to me at the time still wild to me now i love hearing stories about guys like aj who started such a long time ago and you look at what they're up to today and it's just a complete fucking upgrade after upgrade to such cool shit. It's great to hear like th that was his beginnings, you know? Yeah. What we got going on now is, is something else. It's, it's fucking crazy what we've got going on. There, so now walk me through the time when code starts being more accepted in hardcore. Are you traveling with them yet? Like as code progressed, Give me what ties up to. Um, so I'm, I've done multiple tours with them. I, uh, but I've always been stuck here working a full-time job. So um, throughout all of this, I'm working my full-time auditing job 
and I work, I bounced on the side. So, I mean, at times I'm working 40 hours during the week and there's times where I'm working like 16 to 20 shows at nighttime, especially at this time. So, um, I did a couple tours with code. I did a terror tour. I did a mayhem fest tour, which was, which was an experience. Um, but I'm kind of just watching it from the sidelines. A lot of it. Um, I mean, I think I've been to almost every show they played in Philly, uh, sands like two or three, but I mean, I'm, I'm going to go if they're playing anywhere in driving distance, but, um, I'm kind of watching from the sidelines and just watching them go further and further and higher and higher. It's always awesome to see that perspective. Um, punishment, you know, we did our thing. And then later on, we eventually got to the point where this, the guys in blacklist, they were coming up and, you know, their, their first U S tour was punishments last U S tour. There's always something cool that you take with you seeing a band, you know, blossom. And I, that's what I kind of wanted to get out of you. Like now that you, now that you've kind of touched on the beginning to see them when they rise, I still feel like aside from the pressure in the band, the people in the band didn't really change too much. No. And it's, it's just crazy to think it's like, these are to me, especially at the time, these are like my little kids that, that I hang around with and kind of just like tell them everything that I know about hardcore and like, all my like crazy little stories that I might have. And then it's like, holy shit, my like my little kid friends are about to go on tour with Mad Ball, like when they're 18 years old and they're like telling me like what it's like to hang out with Mad Ball, or then they go on tour with Terror for the first time. And to me, that's like the they could be touring with Pink Floyd to me, touring with Terror. So they're telling me what it's like to be around Terror. It's just like a it was crazy to like kind of see firsthand. And then when you start doing bigger stuff and it's like, Jamie's calling me backstage with like Flair back there and stuff like that. It's like, it's just crazy. Now, what do you, what part of you do you think wants to start this band? And is it something you joke about for years or is it something that when, when, you know, the the Pittsburgh thing is in full effect. Obviously, the true believer, jujitsu Jake, is in full swing with these guys. Like, when do you guys start first start like messing around talking about doing a band together? So, Pain Clinic, in a way, has been around for a, a long time. Like in my head, and like in a couple people's heads. At first, um, this was probably like six years ago. The plan was for Pain Clinic to be me, Jamie on drums, Colin from Eternal Sleep on guitar, and Andrew Cordingly from Agitator on bass from Philly. Um, we had a practice that consisted of Jamie just screaming at Colin the entire time, uh, just screaming, you have no riffs, you have no riffs, for about 45 minutes, and that was it. And I was like, oh, the Pain Clinic dream is over. Um, and then it's then ever ever since then it's kind of been like, all right, this band is breaking up. Maybe I'll just come join them, and we'll just kind of do this and, and or something else. But then then early last year, Jake was just like, dude, I'm writing writing a, a demo, and we're just we're just gonna finally fucking do this. And 
I'm sick of seeing people come up to you and be like, dude, why don't you have a band? Why don't you sing for a band? I'm, I'm, I'm tired of seeing this. So he kind of was just took the initiative and, and started writing. And, and that's, that's kind of like how this, this new generation of pain clinic has, has started. Um, what are your first interactions with Jake? So I've known Jake for a super long time. I've known him for honestly from like the very, the very simple beginnings of all of this. He was always involved in like lo- little local bands. Like whenever I was in high school, he was always a guy in those bands. And then when I got a little bit more into hardcore, he w- he was in all the Pittsburgh hardcore bands. So I had known him for forever. I mean, we were never like very, very tight um at all like if i if i would actually need him in a situation at the time he was always down to be involved in it but i was never like i'm gonna go to mcdonald's with jake after the show it was never like that um throughout the years like people come and go and jake really never never left he was always kind of someone that i talked to like a little bit here and there um and he always knew that i had an affinity for like MMA pride fighting and stuff like that. So he let me know. And I, and I knew that he was, he got super involved in jujitsu around like 2008, 2009. And, and I, I knew he was kind of doing that thing. And then he let me know that he was opening up his, he was thinking about opening up his own gym. So I was like, that's fucking awesome, man. I mean, I've never even like thought about doing, I mean, I, I, tinkered around with the idea of doing doing some kind of jujitsu or some kind of fighting thing but i've never taken any initiative on it um and uh he let me know he was starting his first school and i was like dude i'll i'll come train fuck it so i i was kind of the first student of true believer where uh, true believer is his school for people that don't know that it's a, a jujitsu school here in pittsburgh it's literally like the biggest school here. But um, so I just started training with Jake in like this little basement. There was like, if you look at a jujitsu school and you see all the mats all over the floor, we had one mat, literally one single mat. And it was just me and him kind of just fucking around on the ground for a little bit for about an hour. I'm just a big out of shape guy, just messing around with Jake on this mat. And I would go up with him to his, his school that he trained at in, uh what's called cranberry pa so i'll go up there with him a little bit and eventually aj comes train code we get code to come train and uh we have our little hardcore jujitsu squad that um it was kind of for the for the very beginning of the the true believer days it was legitimately just like a little hardcore jujitsu club it was it was me it was code it was aj it was uh guys from this band settle for nothing a couple of them are in in my band now um just just a bunch of hardcore kids and then eventually you see someone from the the powerlifting gym upstairs comes up to train someone some random jujitsu guy that's just in town on business comes in and train because he knows jake and then you see maybe like a couple girls come in to to do some like self-defense classes and from there, I mean, it, I think he has close to like 300 students now. But um, that was kind of like me and Jake getting back together as far as uh, being homies and um, 
from that, it's it's he's only he like what Jake's done in, in a similar way to code. It's just it's it's unbelievable to see how this this has grown from from just me and him messing around on a single mat in the in the basement of a powerlifting gym. Now he has his own gym. There's a lot of a lot of mats in that gym now, and there's still there's about much as much space as we had when it was just me and him. But um, yeah, Jake uh, just became a really important person in my life at that point. I mean, he, the way he treats his students is the way he treats everybody. I mean, he he treats people. Um, he's a man that that requ requests respect for himself, and he doesn't ask for it. But he does it without asking for it. But but you you need to respect him because um, he's just a respectable person in general. Um, yeah, he's turned that gym into something else. But but just throughout the years, I mean, we're just talking hardcore instead of instead of doing jujitsu. And it's just like at, at some point, it's just like, dude, we got to We got to do this band. I moved back. I, I moved to Florida for a little bit a couple of years ago. And when I came back, he was like, dude, it's time. Um, so he kind of he kind of we, we I mean, the band is mostly my friends from the past 10 to 20 years anyways. But we put together the band and then. We've kind of just been going full full force since. I think the thing that is coolest about the age that we're all getting to, it's not, yo, we're going to do a band and take over the world. It's like, yo, we're going to do a band. We can afford band practice. We're not worried about who's going to buy T-shirts. It's this different era that comes with like being a more of an um, adult, you know, than being like in punishment era of, being young, bro broken, stupid versus now, you know? So I think it's cool that you guys kind of got together as your lives are really clicking because you have the free time and you have the security to do the band. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy to like, to me, I mean, like, like I said, I never did a band when I was young. So, I mean, I never really had the, I mean, I toured with code when it was very bare bones and I, I toured with eternal when it was bare bones, but, um, I never toured in a band where I was just this young, broke, dumb kid. Now I'm, I'm in a band and I'm a successful adult that, I mean, we're not begging for change to, for gas to get home. We, we're pretty, pretty, pretty set in what we do. So it, it's, it's a, it's a crazy difference. And at, at one point in my life, I, maybe before I did this, I might've told you that hardcore is meant for young people and like you should only i mean maybe like a legacy act is something that doesn't doesn't deserve the same attention as like a young band like hardcore is for young people and i still do feel that way that like young bands matter the most and you should put i mean you need to you need to support these touring bands more than anything but I think that bands like my band that do have a place now where it's it's a different time where it's not really even like the smart thing to do to do do tours and, and playing weekends kind of is like the the way to go now for for most people. And and I think we're seeing most of the bands now are like that, like in a way, seeing Mind Force kind of just like opens your eyes like there's there is no age limit to this you can you those guys are adults i've i've seen those guys the guys in mind force i've seen their bands 
for the past 10 years, if I've been on the road with Eternal, they were playing with Living Laser all the time. And these guys have been around for years. And, and I mean, at some point now, they're finally getting their just due and their just respect um, as grown adults. And it's a beautiful thing to see. Now, I think in, in general, the thing that I, I saw at a pain clinic was this, this band that just sucked to beat one stage and play. A lot of these younger bands that pop up, every show they play, they feel like this is the one that's going to help us get to some fucking next level where you guys are like just excited, happy, and enjoying the fucking moment, you know? And then touching back to something you said way back in this podcast where you were talking about the young kids just kind of going off and just doing wild shit in the pit. There was something really special about you guys coming up and playing the venue for Stucky at Media VFW. And you saw those kids were just doing what I think is the coolest shit. And uh, for those people who weren't at the show, there's this cool hardcore videos where kids are moshing so awesome. And everyone's like, this guy's mosh style is so cool. But I, I nostalgically love seeing a young kid who has no fucking style that looks anything like a hardcore style because he's not he's not homogenized into this is the rules of looking cool in a mosh pit. And that one kid who was shirtless was doing this jump in the air high kick. And I was like, this is the fucking coolest. No, like, and and he's like, hundred percent. And he was crawling around on the floor. And I was like, while you guys were playing, it was hard to not just be so entertained to see some young kid who wasn't trying to look like some fucking internet video, you know? And instead of you guys being like, oh, these kids are corny. Like you guys were living up. You're shouting out the young kids. And it was just the fucking perfect vibe for that show. No, I fucking live for that shit, man. That's that's one of my favorite things on this fucking whole earth is seeing young kids going crazy for a band. I mean, I think that's part of just me working in like concert venues and stuff like this for so many years and now working at preserving. Like, dude, I'd like to see people having a good time. I don't. I like to see I, my main goal with preserving in general is just, dude, all these, all these big venues and, and big rock clubs and stuff like that. They're not, they're not for us. They're not for anybody. They're for themselves. They don't, they don't give a fuck if anybody has a good time. They don't care if, if you're, they're more worried about selling you a $12 beer than anything. I fucking love seeing kids lose their fucking minds i like to see the freaks i like to see i love the good moshing trust me it's one of my favorite things on this earth but dude that media pa show is awesome i looked out in the crowd and it's just like there's there's people pitting for sure there's also like 13 13 little girls in the back just doing their like riding the horse two-step there's there's a little bit of everything there's the crazy shirtless guy doing the picking ketamine off the floor mosh. There is a bunch of crazy shit going on. That's what I fucking love. So what does the, is there, was there ever a point, a goal, a thought, or was it just, Hey, we're going to start this band. Yeah, it was pretty much, Hey, we're starting this shit. And I mean, we got, I mean, our, our boy Jason is plays the other guitar in the band. And he's, he, I mean, he's Jake's best friend since they were like 12 years old in high school and they played in bands together forever. And I, I've known him forever and he's a jujitsu guy as well. And I, I've known them forever. And it was just like, he, he's, a, he owns a guitar store here. He's a very talented guitar player. So we we're like, yeah, dude, Jason's the perfect guy for this. Devin, our drummer is played, played in, played in a band called settled for nothing. He plays in a band called contentment as well. A death metal band from here. Um, great drummer, jujitsu guy as well. So we're we just get our boy Devin to play drums. 
Wyatt is the bass player, my my best friend of all time. Um, he's been in bands for years as well. He knows what he's doing as far as probably better than any of us as far as putting songs together and stuff like that. Let's get Wyatt. And, and that's that's kind of the story there. I mean, it's it it's mostly I mean, just friends getting together more than anything. Do you think that there's a there's just a fun aspect to this? Do you do you have like the idea of doing fucking any like longer shows? Like, or is it just really at, take it as you go? That kind of flow. It's kind of a little bit of everything. Like, I mean, dude, I did not realize that like playing like I did not realize what was going to be like playing a show when we played our first show in West Virginia. I literally wanted to play it. We play, our first show somehow was with the Chromags, but um, I was like, dude, let's just play this West Virginia show. It'll be, it's like kind of out of the way. There's not gonna be that many people there. Um, I can kind of get the first show jitters out here and we can kind of go from there. We play the show. I thought there was going to be like 30 people there. There ended up being 150 people there. And I did not realize what it was going to be like playing. Um, once I kind of felt that high for the first time, uh, it went from like, this is this fun thing that we're going to do and just write some songs and put it out. I, I got that feeling of playing a show for the first time. I was like, dude, we got to do this a lot. We got to do this all the time. Um, and then we played our first real Pittsburgh show here with all war and it was even better. Then we played another show here. It was even better. Then we played in Philly. It was, we're playing across the state and it's still good. Then we play another show in Philly. Then we play another show in Philly. So I wasn't aware of how, how good it feels to play. So in my mind, I want to play all the time. I don't necessarily want to play like the biggest show of all time, or I don't want to, I, it's really just not possible to like do like a long tour or anything, but, but, um, the feeling is is fucking crazy. I mean, you know it as well because you've played crazy ones. Um, it's an unreal feeling that I didn't I, I didn't know I, I had in me. So I want to play as much as possible, um, as much as we can. What else is it? Just the playing? Is it stuff that you're like we're trying to record? Like. Sometimes bands have these like ideas, like pyramidical style. Hey, I'm going to do this, and then we're going to do this. Or is it just kind of, uh, ah, cool? If we can do this, we'll do it. But we're not really like you got no fucking battle plan here. No, we we kind of have a battle plan. I mean, it's a loose battle plan. I mean, we recorded the demo kind of right off the bat. We wanted to have the demo out before we played it all, and and that's really what we did. We're going back in the studio actually this weekend to record a couple songs because I want to have a, a couple more, a couple songs out here before we play the fest uh, in August. So um, we're recording like a little promo teaser. I believe we're just going to put out on a, on a CD for the fest. It's just going to be two songs, but it's going to be two new songs that one we've been playing for a while and another brand new one. And uh, we're going to put that out. Just uh, we're going to do a CD for the fest specifically and uh we're just gonna put it out on spotify and all the the fucking streaming things and uh i think we're gonna record like a seven inch later this year so we do have we we, we do have a game plan as far as that goes for sure 
It's fucking awesome. Yes. Um, is there stuff that I should touch on, or do, do, do you think we hit everything with the pain clinic stuff? No, I, I think we kind of hit it with the pain clinic stuff. Um, yeah. Awesome, man. I, you know, uh, the thing I didn't do with this podcast uh, a previous year was just because of just not thinking about it was taking the time to talk to newer bands like pain clinic for the podcast. And obviously, you know, me and you survived some FYA wars, <laughs> the for battle sure. of the, dis- the battle of the disembodied fucking uh, PA crowd, <laughs> you know, like we've had some <laughs> fucking sure. awesome, we've had some fucking awesome times together, some great laughs and, and to see you up there naturally fucking enjoying yourself. There's something it, that man. comes with grabbing a mic and being in front of people and you see it's kind of like this is the altar you're either gonna fucking live or die on this motherfucker and you just casually just enjoy it you laugh the whole time and it's a fucking great thing to see a giant fucking monster of a fucking human with a laugh and a smile while playing in a band like pain clinic and i just wanted to have some time to people go oh who the fuck is this pain clinic band you know it's it's easy to interview the bands at the top of the bill but I wanted to also showcase some of the bands, not only my friends, but bands that I think are fucking awesome. And I'm very glad to have a part of the fest. So that's why I was very excited to have you on the podcast. I fucking love it, man. I, when I got the mic in my hand, I feel like I'm fucking Hulk Hogan. And I try to act like I'm Hulk Hogan when I'm up there. And guess what? This is hardcore is fucking WrestleMania for hardcore. So you better believe Hulk Hogan's going to fucking deliver at WrestleMania. I, I can't fucking wait and I'm going to hold you to it. Um, sh- shout out, whatever you want to shout out. Um, tell us where to contact you guys and leave us with something cool. Yeah. All of our, all of our Instagram, Twitter shits at pain clinic, XXL. Follow us there. Listen to the fucking demo, please. I want people to hear this fucking demo. Get the, get, get your ass listening to that fucking demo, please. It's fucking good stuff. We're putting out shit. Uh, I think like two weeks before this is hardcore is kind of our plan. We're recording it this weekend. We got a show next week with Never Ending Game, Gridiron. It's the Face Rec CD release uh, here in Pittsburgh, June 30th. We're playing with In Cold Blood in Cleveland on July 14th. We got announced today a couple shows. Code World is happening here in Pittsburgh. It's going to be an awesome. We will be fest. in attendance. It's going to be fucking awesome. It's going to be at our. Our, our venue preserving in the big room. We're going double stages. There's going to be a stage downstairs, a stage upstairs. It's a 900 cap venue. We're going to sell that bitch out. We're playing Detroit um, the day after my birthday, September 9th. We got a lot of shit coming. Most importantly, we got this is hardcore. We're playing bright and early on Sunday, and I can't fucking wait for that. Nah, I love seeing you guys really just continue to push and i think more people are catching on and i know at this hardcore you guys are going to fucking set the thing off and um i can't wait to hang out in pittsburgh with you guys and um dude just we gotta eat we gotta eat something good in pittsburgh bro we got i gotta take you people kind of been i've kind of been hearing some south talking here on the pittsburgh food and i know you like to eat big and so do i so we we got to figure something out during the day at some point on that code fest, or if you you want to stay the next day, we got to we got to we got to do something big, dude. I'm all about it. In fact, um, we got kind of fucking we're excited because we're gonna hit the Mothman Festival and then we'll be at the Code Orange show, <laughs> and then um, 
I I would drive to fucking Pittsburgh just again to do the uh, the night of code with the really big show on the return after COVID. We um we end up just hanging it right on the block that AJ's church was at and doing that food truck festival. And it's like, dude, I had so much fun at the food truck festival. We would just drive out just to do fucking that. Yeah, we got the food truck festival this on Friday this week, and we have. We have a '50s polka cover band playing and in, in preserving. Oh, it's got a show. You got to fucking. And, you got to fucking tell me ahead of time. We got an incendiary, and uh, then yeah. the bulldoze thing. Otherwise, I'd be driving 300 miles for some food trucks. It's, it's going to be a rager on Friday with the, the polka band at preserving. How much do you do at preserving? Did I did I miss something there with that? Or are you just helping? Or is there anything that like you have you can speak on behalf for preserving before we get AJ on the show? Uh, preserving, especially now, is kind of like me, AJ, and we have a third partner kind of working on the bar uh, as a bar manager. I kind of handle the staffing of the security, and I do a little bit with working with agents and stuff as far as getting shows coming through and, and taking care of all, like, the website and ticketing stuff. So I, I have a decent part in it. Um, yeah, we're, we're fucking killing it. The The new room is awesome. We just had... We've had a bunch of cool shit in the new room. Like I said, it's a 900 cap room. And like, dude, the venues here in Pittsburgh straight up suck. So whatever we can do to like change, like I was saying, I like to see kids having a fucking good time. I like seeing the, I've worked at clubs my since I was 22 years old. So I've seen how shitty clubs work and I, I know how, how to make things better. And I've worked with AJ this whole time working at, at different clubs and stuff. And we, we both know that dude, the so-called concert experience is a piece of shit. There's nothing, nothing enjoyable about going to a club show, standing behind a barrier, paying $12 for a Miller light. It's not, it's honestly no funds for the band fun for the bands with the merch cut and different things that everybody's bitching about these days everywhere. We're just trying to kind of change that. So um, if you don't know about preserving, we have this church kind of in the middle of nowhere outside of Pittsburgh. Um, And right. We just AJI and myself and uh, a couple other guys literally stripped this church of everything that was in it from the pews to the, the preacher's little stand in the front and we've turned this this church hall into a 900 cap venue and so far we literally in january we stripped this church out and we had dying fetus playing in it in april to a sold out show so um since then we've had a bunch of different shit casey strain integrity just played in there last week we had uh the old death metal the original death metal band possessed play there a couple weeks before that it was fucking awesome. Uh, the singer was, is literally one of the craziest guys I've ever met. Uh, but we also still have the we still have the basement room uh, where it's a 300 cap venue, so we can have those tours coming through. And then we have the little room, the DIY room, where you just pay 50 bucks and you get to book the room for the night. And we have a ton of hardcore tours come through there. I, I did Simulacra there a couple months ago. Year of the Knife has come through. I mean, I've, I mean, a ton of bands have come through the DIY room. People know I'm talking about when I say that. But, um, yeah, we're doing anything. Not to go on a little business tire, tire, diatribe right here. But no, that's what I want. We're, I want we're you doing to make anything. Sure people know. We know how shitty it is going to these big club shows and having them suck. So 
we've kind of done everything we've can to turn this big room into a, a place where dude i i'm the head of security so i'm not hiring any like dumb dick asshole um everybody that's working on our security is mostly hardcore kids and if they're not a hardcore kid they're a guy that i've bounced with for like the past 15 to 20 years um and that knows what's going on um we just got our liquor license taken care of so we have bar people all from the hardcore scene all from the punk scene um with that with our venue the fucking hardcore record store straight up is attached to the venue so literally you're at the show you just want to chill and go check some records out or just fucking go through like a crazy t-shirt room that has every fucking band shirt that you can buy go in there i mean it, we're working on the kitchen to make sure uh that everybody is cool on eating i mean we're kind of doing it all here but it's all hardcore style it's no fucking no corporate bullshit it's 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 a beautiful thing it's like the coolest thing i've fucking done uh i like i said i've worked in concert shit for 15 years now and it's it's fucking awesome no i think it's great anytime hardcore people take control of the scenario um and instead of just trying to you know like he, he had a funny story in the beginning about where aj started off but you know the really the issue is is we could ch- control the ability for the bands to come through in an awesome venue and take care of a band properly. That's the way that we're going to stay with these bands throughout their entire career by giving them what they need. Sometimes it's hard. So when you guys have the opportunity with these different size rooms all in one place, and you're taking a professional uh, look at how you guys do things. So that way you're not going to lose um, a good tour to someone down the street. I think that's the way a lot of, a lot of fucking people should go. And I, I've been advocating for years that we need to buy, we need to fucking buy some fucking churches and create a fucking do everything operate under the same way churches do and, and get more DIY church venues started because it's the only way that hardcore people are going to continue to be able to be competitive in this crazy world where the bands are okay playing barricades behind these um, corporate names. You know, so you guys are doing the fucking guys are truly doing the Lord's work, whether that's Lord Isaac or Lord Jesus Christ. We don't know, (laughs) but you guys are fucking doing the Lord's work out there in Pittsburgh. And I commend you guys for fucking taking it up the level instead of being like, ah, you know what? I don't feel like doing the extra work. And it sounds like success is already in your hands, which is fucking great. So now we just need to get the fucking the one two punch combo uh, pain clinic and uh, face rack at this is hardcore ready to rip and roll, man. Can't fucking wait. It's literally I'm having was shocked when I found out it was gonna happen and I'm ready for it to fucking happen. I couldn't couldn't ask for a better lineup. I was at the the second this is hardcore. I think I've missed maybe two for different reasons since then. And this is fucking big to me. So it, it definitely means something to me. It's it's not just another day for me. Well, thank you for being a part of the podcast. Thank you for being a great friend and an amazing person in the Western Pennsylvania hardcore scene for so long and giving the tutelage and mentorship to people like code. And I look forward to hanging out with you with this is hardcore. Okay. It's going to be the best weekend maybe of all time. Thank you, Joe. No, nah, man. Thank you so much. Take care. See you. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I know it's shorter than the last couple, but you know, they all can't be three hours. I love Ty Dawson. Big shout out to J true believer. Code Orange, AJ, 
all the old Pittsburgh friends and all the cool shit we talked about with involving Pennsylvania, them small towns sometimes, awesome trips, all of my friends from Erie, Buffalo, Cleveland, Rochester. I mean, there's so much unsaid shit that about that whole crazy lake effect, Lake Erie area that just doesn't get covered as much as it should. And um, I love the tide kind of dug into some of that. Again, this Friday, Incendiary and Underground Arts. I don't know if the show will be sold out by the time you show up. Kev Juan Buldo, Saturday, 4, a, 4 p.m. at the church. It's a benefit show. Saturday, July 2nd. If you're in Chicago, you better be moshing for Shadow Realm. Hold my own volcano. Fool's game. If you're in Philly or close to Philly, you better be at NEG, Gridiron, Lay to Rest, Strength for Reason, Division of Mind. And I'll talk to you guys next week. This is Hardcore Fest, all one word on Instagram, T-I-H-E Fest on Twitter, Philly H-C Shows on Instagram and Twitter, Philly Hardcore Shows on Facebook. This is Hardcore Fest on Facebook. And thank you for supporting the podcast. Had a lot of really awesome conversations in the DMs and et cetera over the last couple of weeks with some cool conversations and got a lot more planned. So continue to listen every Friday. Thank you. Take care. T-I-H-E Podcast. Bye-bye.